0: might not be glad that you did it. There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something. The we Welcome to Furious Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today,
1: Chris? Jesse, I am very excited to be uh, recording this episode with you today. We have both just been dealing with sickness and mm. all kinds of wacky situations for the last week, and it is really nice to be back here talking about... MCP.
0: Absolutely. A little peek behind the veil, per se. If you hear Chris and I with uh, some voices that don't sound quite on, you know, it's because we're both been battling that and I've had a sick kid and, you know, we're just trying to bring the content to you guys. And this is an episode we're genuinely really excited about, Chris. That's what's funny about oh, yeah. it. And we put it off a little bit because we both were very sick and we're kind of clawing our ways back now. So... I feel like we're ready to get into this because we talked about it last episode with the Enchantress episode, but this is our Asgard mini series. This is our return to Asgard. We haven't been in Asgard since early 2020, really when the game was in its infancy. And the game's changed a lot since then, Chris, and this affiliation's changed a lot. And I would honestly say the biggest change to this affiliation was the inception of this character, Angela. She's a big one. That's a very important
1: character. She's awesome. And she's got such a rich history in just the publishing and IP department. Absolutely. There are some that do not like how Marvel has portrayed her since she's joined the Marvel universe, but I, for one, think she's pretty cool, so... I, I'm I'm excited to get into it.
0: Hey, I am too. And that's something you and I have been talking about since her inception on the Atomic Mass gallery page where they just revealed that she was coming to the game. You and I are like, this is going to be a unique challenge for our show because she's one of these characters, Chris, where we talk about unique circumstances come up every time we do more characters on this show, uh, just more avenues of the real world get brought up. She is one of those in that case. And like you said publishing differences, her starting in a different comic book medium before this, her being part of different stories, and now her being part of the Marvel family. It's very cool. And we're going to try to encapsulate as much of it as we can today for you guys. And also, of course, dive deep into her strategy because she, she's a piece in this game, Chris, and she, she honestly could fit wherever you want her to if you really want to play her.
1: I'm very excited to talk about Angela in strategy because she is very much my play style in a big way. And I would love to get some ideas from you on uh, how we could sneaker into some of my bags.
0: We're definitely going to pursue that, Chris. But also, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it while we're here up top. Moon Knight just came out by the time you're listening to this. This is a very exciting thing, Chris. You and I are going to have a kind of mini series on this very feed. So stay tuned for when that's going to show up. But it's something that we talked about wanting to do and wanting to do just like quick snippets, you know, like rather than do a giant retrospective at the end like we've done in the past or just not even tackle a show because we couldn't because the holidays. I'm looking at you, Hawkeye. Yeah, bro. This seems proper though, Chris, because I mean, you introduced the character Moon Knight to me many, many years ago. Obviously, I'd seen his suit. I was very intrigued by it. Oh, that. yeah.
1: he's Iconic look.
0: Yeah, iconic look. And then you gave me the tidbit that he was steeped in Egyptian lore and I was just, that was it. I was done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so to go on this journey with you and the listeners watching the show, and recording episodes and putting them on the feed, kind of being little mini episodes that come out in addition to our normal format. I think it's gonna be really fun. So I'm just gonna say stay tuned for that because I don't want to get any words out right now about anything happening Moon Knight-wise. But I mean, we're very excited. It's true. We are. <laughs> We've been talking about it like only the last like 10 episodes. You've heard yeah. it at the
1: front of every episode. <laughs> so. Yeah, you poor, poor people
0: hopefully you guys are as excited as us. I mean, I certainly, Chris, I will, I will finish with this. I certainly was very excited when I had to re-log into my Disney plus account to choose to enable the MA feature or not. And that was naming the heralding, the coming of uh, not only Moon Knight, but the entire Netflix repertoire of Marvel content.
1: Oh, buddy, we
0: are back. That's right. Rewatching Daredevil, rewatching Punisher. I mean, I'm going to give Cage another run through at some point. I'm very excited about this. And I think Disney Plus just opened up in a big way um, for fans like us, you know?
1: For sure. A lot of content there now. And I, I for one, am, am very excited about the new content coming out there. I, I just love cutting edge canon stuff. I'm just such a sucker for that stuff.
0: And, you know, like we talked about enabling the MA feature on your Disney Plus, like not every show is for everybody. Case in point, you know, Miss Marvel show coming later this year is not intended for us. In not particular. for us. But we're probably going to watch it and enjoy it. But it's one of those things like that's what makes Marvel so great right now. And especially the MCU expanding in a very dynamic way. There's something for everyone. And you don't have to love everything, you know? Absolutely. But we're hoping here on Furious Finest we can enhance your experience of those shows as they come out. Because there's ones we're going to like more than others. But we're going to try to cover them all and cover all the movies like we've been doing, Chris. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy them more by hearing our excitement, potentially. Or our disappointment.
1: Uh, yeah, Let's. we're not hoping for that. No. It'll be a sad day.
0: But, Chris, I think we got to get into this episode today, and we
1: have some business to attend to. Furious Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs.
0: Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash If you enjoy the show and you'd like to join our Discord community and help us keep our lights on, go to Patreon.com slash to pledge your support.
1: This week, we have a very special shout out to none other than Mike S. Mike, thanks, man. We appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for your
0: support. And of course, Chris, we've got to thank the Avenger producers that make this show happen.
1: The Fantastic Four. It's the Zack Attack, Rusty, Dylan, and Nathan C. Thanks, boys.
0: Thank you, Fantastic Four team. All right, Chris, let's just get into this wonderful character today. I'm very excited.
1: I'm excited that you're excited, Jesse. And I'm also excited to talk about this. Angela is uh, really kind of a fun character character. She is very tough. She is very no-nonsense. And she lives by a code. I'll explain the code shortly, but there's a couple things we need to talk about first. Her first appearances in comics, in all of comics, is in Spawn, number nine from Image Comics, written by Neil Gaiman, drawn by Todd McFarlane. How are we talking about her in Marvel Crisis Protocol, Jesse? Well, she came to Marvel. Interesting. She had a lot of interesting
0: story before then. So you mentioned several keywords there, Chris. Spawn, volume one, number nine. First of all, that was in nineteen ninety-three, quite some time ago. Number two, Spawn's awesome. <laughs> number two, Spawn is awesome. But you also mentioned Neil Gaiman, my favorite modern right. writer, Todd McFarlane. He's Todd. I mean he's Todd. I mean iconic. And then you know, her being a major character in Spawn in 1993. Put yourself in the headspace of how big of a deal she was. And in fact, Gaiman wrote her. They didn't necessarily expect her to be the smashing success she was. So... She became a big hit really quickly.
1: Yes, she absolutely did, and you know, Spawn Mania was just gripping the nation at that That's point. Right. You know, Todd Todd McFarlane was a genuine bona fide rock star at that moment in <laughs> That's time, so and true. I'm not kidding. It's it's wild. It's very cool. Well, his
0: tenure at that point was out of control, Chris. Right? I mean, like, yeah. He was Rockstar star off of Daredevil, and then into The Dark Knight Returns, and then into Spawn. I mean, it's kind of obscene
1: just on paper. Don't forget about Cable and oh no, no revitalizing not. the X Men. Uh, you know,
0: oh, and then his hand and Venom we've talked about already in the past, <sighs> right?
1: I mean, there was a lot. Being one of the driving forces behind Image Comics, like unbelievable, you know, he was a powerhouse. He really was. And I mean, you know, love him or hate him, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, but. With the huge success of Spawn, Todd contacted Neil Gaiman and a and a few other writers, uh, big writers of the time, to you know write one shots uh, in Spawn. And they didn't sign any contracts; it was a verbal agreement. Mm-hmm. So of course, Neil and Todd come up with Angela, you know, Heaven's bounty hunter, and then. Starts the like, what was it, like a 10 year almost legal <laughs> battle? Her and some other characters?
0: Well, the legal battle doesn't even start for like 10 years after her inception, right? You're right, Chris. 2002 to 2012, it was a legal battle over who had the rights to this character. So essentially, she'd been out 10 years. Like we said, she was a smashing success. Neil Roter, Todd Druer, they conceptualized her together. Who owns her? Good questions. You know, like who owns the character? Who owns the IP? Neither one of them thought she was going to be as successful as she was. She has some great encounters with Spawn. go over really well. I mean, there's a lot of things, right? Yeah.
1: Had, had her own little mini-series. You know, a lot, of, a lot of stuff.
0: But essentially in 2002, they come to some sort of agreement that the courts dubbed them both co-creators. And then eventually in right. 2012, eventually all the rights are given to Neil since he was the writer, the original design,
1: the writer of the character. And that's just how it goes. Which, as I understand, it was kind of a landmark case when it came to create her own ip and things like that pretty interesting yeah very interesting so what did uh neil gaiman do with angela whenever he won her uh full intellectual property rights well he sold her to marvel of course right wouldn't you i think marvel was asking for some time too which is pretty interesting chris oh for sure don't don't think that his return to marvel wasn't partially for that but right her first appearance in Marvel comics is in Age of Ultron number 10. Okay.
0: So right in line with that timeline we just talked about, 2013, right after exactly. all the, the legal issues have been settled.
1: So how did they even bring her into Marvel, of course? And it's really thanks to Wolverine, wouldn't you know? Mm-hmm. Our guy. Just time traveling back and forth, Wolverine... Messes up the space-time continuum, all my TNG fans out there. Right. Damages the Omniverse, and this brings Angela from where she was, which was this... They they formed a whole new realm for mm-hmm. her, actually. Uh, the Realm of Heaven, H-E-V-E-N. It was the 10th realm in the pantheon of realms uh that Odin... Formerly bore, uh, ruled over, and the angels of heaven and the Asgardians were bitter, bitter rivals. So much so that Angela herself, firstborn to Odin and Freya, was stolen and presumed dead by the Asgardians, but stolen by the angels of heaven. And after Odin thought was his firstborn daughter being killed he cut the realm of heaven off from able from being able to be accessed being able to escape the the angels were essentially trapped there for a very very long time and it is here that angela was raised and taught and raised by a code Uh, and that code was nothing for nothing everything has a price and like angela lives by that she will get paid or you will die uh, she will collect on, you know, whatever favor or debt you owe her or you will die. And when it comes to killing, she's very, very talented. Angela appears in her first real big dust up in Marvel is with Gamora. It's very cool. They end up becoming, you know, kind of frenemies or whatever. But but think about it, guys. Gamora is the strongest, like deadliest woman in the the galaxy she's she's good you know she's yeah. very good but second like an angela shows up <laughs> angela's better because she's she is as guardian right and mm-hmm. but not only that she's the first born of odin think of how how strong thor is right it's the same mm-hmm. same thing here and, but she's trained in this insane warrior you know heavenly warrior combat and where she was one of if not the best warrior in heaven. So we're going to move on from her coming into the Marvel universe. And her first real storyline is during original sin. And this is when they give us her name. It is Aldrif, her Asgardian name, daughter of Odin and Freya. So of course she is sister to Thor and Loki, which leads to a lot of, a lot of fun. I, I digress. So there's not a ton of Angela content out there yet, guys. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to read all of it. So I'm gonna do some quick hits for you and then we're gonna talk more about her superpowers. In Angela as Guardian Assassin, she kidnaps Odin and Freya's newest child, just freshborn, kidnaps her. So it leads to her fighting a lot, a lot of different things. Dark elves are involved. It's great fun. Later, uh, Angela will become queen of hell uh, as she has to go down to hell to return her lost lover, Sarah, to life. Very sweet. And the thing that uh, she is kind of doing right now is she is in a a, a, seri- a team book with blade which i have not gotten to read yet but i'm going to probably after we're done recording here right but she is co-leader of this team with blade i think it's nine issues it's called strike force seems cool i hope it is you know maybe i'll let you know so let's get into what she does and how she does it let's talk about her superpowers of course she as, a, as we established she is as guardian so she gets that extra power during the power phase she is very strong she's just I mean she's just Thor I mean think of how strong mm-hmm. all of the this this line is these gods these these Odins spawn even I mean hella to a lesser degree in the movies hella you know but,
0: super speed super durability flight. oh
1: man super strength yeah all of it all of it and not only that, she's got these deadly ribbons. This is straight out Spawn. Super, like, very Spawn. But they're so cool because they have a psychic link with her. They're just, I mean, think of, like, Dr. Octopus's arms, mm-hmm. but they're ribbons. Very cool. She has two legendary, legendary swords. The first being Xiphos, the Sword of the Stars. It's a legendary sword acquired in heaven, at some point, we haven't gotten that story yet, and I, for one, am looking forward to it. The other sword is probably the cooler of the two. That's why Xiphos <laughs> had to have more backstory. But Iker's is a liquid metal, double-edged scimitar that can take the form of any bladed weapon Angela needs my favorite being the spear i love spears don't Mm. know why Mm -hmm. Uh, it can also split into two blades Uh, takes the form of a whip angela with the whip is a very iconic cover from spawn very cool stuff very cool stuff but yeah that that is angela essentially she's just she's a brand new character to marvel in a lot of senses and they clearly value her some other things that are interesting Jesse especially for you she did show up in the most recent uh, Neil Gaiman 1602 miniseries. oh wow so uh, if you want to if you want to see her in that in that kind of setting uh, with him writing her again check that out
0: I'll read anything Neil Gaiman of course every time
1: oh I know you will buddy
0: still my favorite graphic novel of all time. We've talked about on the podcast and Chris hasn't read it, but the Sandman, everything Sandman, front to back, just read that whole thing. It's just, it's a masterpiece. It truly is. Okay. That's the irony is like my favorite works by him are not not even typically comics, but the Sandman in fact is. But Chris, I find it so cool that they, since they got the rights from Neil, they did this really cool thing where they kept the essence of the character the same, kept her weapons the same, kept kept her fighting the same. She is in fact of that heavenly realm and spawn, of course, and she hunts the hell spawn. She yes, takes bounties she of hell spawns. She she goes boss fights everywhere and brings a head back, right? She was conjured in the spawn world is the essence of her story is super cool. It, it is pretty
1: cool. Yeah. It's the essence of five selfless souls that yes. sacrifice themselves for another. Yes. So all 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 five of these impeccable souls are kind of the life force that begats Angela.
0: But like you said, it you know, it's always been an interesting driving force of her character, especially in the Spawn Universe, is like she's about as good as you can get good. I always say in the Spawn Universe, everything's right. pretty fluid and sometimes in the Spawn Universe, but she can never stop, you know? She's an agent right. of this work. Of always killing the hell spawn and the demons. And they've kind of pursued some of that in the Marvel universe where it's like you said, Chris, like she's an unstoppable force. She she never ceases at anything she does, but we still don't know a yeah. ton about her, which is very interesting. We know she
1: loves to fight.
0: Yes. <laughs> which is very important. I don't know. I just find it really interesting the parallels, and of course, we've got the realm of heaven now in Marvel, kind of like they did the weird thing where they kind of winked at the camera where it's like, she's from the realm of heaven from a different universe. And now she's in a realm that was lost and forgotten. It's very cool. It's just very fairly seamless with how little content we have with her so far. So I'm really, I'm looking forward to more and, Like you mentioned, too, obviously it's going to come paramount with our discussion today because she's affiliated, but she runs with the Guardians for some time and has some interesting, interesting adventures with them. But like you said, it mainly revolves around her and Gamora's relationship
1: more than anything, which makes a lot of sense. I, for one, am a fan of those two. Bantering.
0: So Chris, we gotta talk about her in the MCU and she's not in the MCU yet. And I think this is not a character yet. It'll happen. That'll happen, yeah, at some point. And you know, maybe we will know more come this summer with Thor four. That's right?
1: exactly what I was thinking.
0: Like I don't even necessarily think that Angel will make an appearance in that Thor movie yet, but I think we will have more information to if she if she is, if we're getting more of her realm. A lot of things, right? I mean, I think that movie's gonna set up a lot in the Thor universe and I also think it's gonna set up a lot of this as Guardians of the Galaxy universe that they're kind of setting yes, up going forward. I agree. Which is the the elements of the Guardians films and the the Thor films kind of meshing and mixing and interchanging and Valkyrie going places, maybe not in a Thor film and et cetera, et cetera. I'm very excited about all that. The prospect of that. Uh very interesting, fun cosmic romps, you know, I think we're gonna have in our future.
1: I think Angela could appear in one of those. I truly, truly hope she does.
0: But Chris, we gotta close out our lore like we always do
1: with a comic book recommendation from you. I got two. Angela, Assassin of Asgard, 2014. And I you know, I'm gonna go on a, a limb here. I'm just gonna recommend Strike Force Volume One just do it. Okay. okay. So two Angela-centric comics right now
0: in Marvel, which is, like as you said, Chris, very rare. Now, of course, if you want to read her in her original incarnation, we already mentioned up, up top, we got Spawn number 9, 1993. And it actually follows Angela for some times for a couple of issues, mainly just her. So if you want to learn more about that sort of essence of good Chris and I were talking about and her hunting the Hellspawn, it's there, which is very exciting. But Chris, I think that's it for lore, because we've got a pretty fun character to get today in strategy. And we're going to close out our strategy discussion today with a look back at Asgard with everything we know now. So let's just get into our strategy. Her name is Angela. Her alter ego is Aldrif Odinstader. On her front side, Chris, she has a stamina of six, a move of long on a medium-sized base, Oh. First time on our show, that instance, a height of two, a threat cost of five. Her defenses Woof. are four physical, four energy, and four mystic. And on her injured side, her stamina goes up to seven, giving her a total of 13 stamina. Very impressive. What are your thoughts?
1: Those are good numbers.
0: Solid numbers. Me, me like long move. So we're going to talk about the long move right now, Chris, because it's going to come up in our discussion a lot. This is our first instance on Fury's Finest of a medium-sized base with a long move with flight. Now, forget the flight, just a medium-sized base with a long move. That's the first time on the show it's happened. That's just across the board in the blink of an eye. <laughs> There's only other one other character that has this in the entire game. His name is Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man, and we haven't got to him yet. And turns out these are the two most mobile characters in the game. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about her and Peter being these five threat characters that, in a way, you're paying five threat for that to start. Just their movement, their repositioning ability, and their availability to always reposition to other fights when needed. And that's something that's very important to both of their kits. Also very important when you play missions with a lot of extracts, which both these characters genuinely love, but let's just move into her attacks, Chris, cause she has a few and she has a lot of superpowers that are pretty cool. Her first attack is a physical attack called Xiphos, the sword of the stars. It's a range two, strength of six power cost of zero. It's her strike. After the attack is resolved, Angela gains power equal to the damage dealt. And after the attack is resolved, place Angela within range two of the target repositioning on top of all that movement
1: that's so nasty
0: we, we know in this game that six dice is like that's the spot that amg's chosen to be their big big mm-hmm. dice pool on a non-spender attack you know they've right they've, six is just pretty much the highest they'll go sometimes characters have things that modify that six even higher like we talked about with dormammu he has six but then he has things that give him more potentially so very strong strike very
1: helpful at building power well speaking of power Let's talk about one of the ways you're going to spend it. Blades of Icar is her second attack. It is an energy attack. Range four, strength five, power cost of one. On a hit, that's right, on a hit, not damage through, just (laughs) you roll a hit. Easy, yeah. Easy peasy. You will trigger Pursuit. Before damage is dealt, Angela may advance towards the target short. More movement. More movement. Short on a medium-sized base is very nice. Yeah. But right now we are we are two for two on uh, movement. Probably almost always happening on your attack. It's
0: so true. And, you know, range four is respectable, Chris, because her strike being range two is, is of course a, one of the only weaknesses of her kit is her strike being range two, but you know, spoiler alert, the attack you just mentioned is range four. The one I'm about to read here in a minute is range three. So they kind of get around her strike being only range two, right. but that's kind of the balancing factor. I feel like if her strike was range three, we we'd just, you'd only be doing her strike all the time. I, I find this very cool because energy we always know is the weakest defense in the game represented and five dice at range four, just chuck it across the board to get yourself a little movement too. It's it's not bad. And you're going to have the power, but we got to close out Definitely. her attacks with her spender. It's a physical attack called Heaven's Wrath, of course, spelled H-E-V-E-N. It's a range three, strength of four, cost three power attack. At the top of the attack, it says, add dice to the attack equal to the target's size. Okay, Modoc, I see you. Right. <laughs> I'm adding more dice. And it has a very interesting trigger, Cleave, it, on the result of a two crits and a wild. That's a lot. After That's this attack lot. is resolved, Angela may make an additional Heaven's Wrath attack without paying the power costs. The additional attack must target the original target character. This additional attack does not have the Cleave special rule. So a way to think about this attack, Chris, is this is kind of like an area attack or a beam attack, but on one target. Kind of. Where it's like, you know, you know with your area attacks and beam attacks you're gonna resolve them in order, different targets, and you're gonna net actions. You and I actually talked about that last episode with Enchantress. One of the things that makes Enchantress so good is just netting actions from that beam. Right. To power her superpowers. Well, this is more of a modeled leader thing. This isn't really any sort <laughs> of like getting more power or getting more, it is getting more action economy, of course, but two crits in a wild is pretty tough, but not tough yeah. when you're attacking a size three, size four character. You know, Bingo. That, It's going to be a lot easier then. And then if you have it on team with modifiers, with rerolls, maybe you're sitting on two crits and no wild, and you got some blank dice to re-roll from cards or your affiliation, give those a re-roll, get that wild out there, bam, got the cleave, and you're going to attack them again with a big dice pool.
1: That can swing a game absolutely
0: i think we got to mention chris most of the size three and up characters are you know a lot of them are higher threat characters yes so if you can knock out a four threat or a five threat with this card maybe or even a six threat like a hulk or she hulk that will swing a game
1: yeah she's a she's a really nice piece against some of those high threat that the thanos like you said the she hulk yeah the modox i mean a couple more dice yeah i mean yeah and the possibility of cleave just goes up with every dice you add to it. So I mean, it's not the best three cost spender in the game, but no. It'll work. It's strong though.
0: And I think it's it's meant to be used opportunistically as a scalpel. Yeah. You know, you're you're mainly using her two other attacks. But let's move on to your superpowers because uh they're pretty cool, Chris. Right?
1: Her first superpower is an active superpower. It is Odin's daughter's might. It's going to cost you two. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size 4 or less within range 2 and throw it medium. The superpower can only be used once per turn. That's a pretty good throw. One of the best throws in the game
0: for the price. Mm-hmm. We're not ebbing him on throwing it long here, but we are throwing it 4-2. Value so, town. I mean, it's just one of the best value throws in the game. And I love that they did this route where it's like, it's size four or less, which is most terrain in the entire game, but you can't throw characters. And that's kind of the balancing act here, Chris, because if this could throw characters too, she probably would be way too powerful because she could just throw people, terrain for only two. She's going to get two easily from strikes and things. So very cool. But I think this is one of the things you're going to be wanting to do with her a lot is making sure you throw those big size pieces of terrain. And something you mentioned, Chris, like in last episode, enchantress throw, not that impressive, just a size two. But if you can take terrain away from your opponent, that's always advantageous and worth throwing terrain, even if it's only a size two. In Angela's case, it's a size four. Not many characters can throw size fours, but ones that can are a huge threat to your team, like the Magnetos of the world. So why not take it from him? and throw it first. And you know, sometimes that involves doing crazy things that are really high level plays where it's like, I actually can't even reach anyone, but that's okay. I'm just going to throw this piece of train, another piece of train and just blow it up. Take away your cover, take away the terrain, cool things like that. Cause she's going to be, she's going to have power, Chris, to do this. It's only two. <laughs> yeah. She, she's got
1: plenty of power,
0: but moving on. She has one more thing she wants to spend power on as much as she can. It's a reactive superpower called Angelic Assassin. It costs two power as well. If Angela dazes or KOs an enemy character with an attack during her activation, she may use the superpower. Angela immediately advances short, then makes a Xipho Sword of the Stars attack. The superpower can be used only once per turn. Carnage. It's
1: pretty nasty. Wow.
0: She's a real death dealer, huh? She's a death dealer. And just like we talked about, Chris, in our Carnage episode, save that power right? For paint the town mm-hmm. red, save that power for angelic assassin. Cause if you feel fairly confident that you can day as a model at worst, you want to pay for this and get a free short move, you know? And then at best you get another attack. Always love that. That builds power and probably gains some right. power back.
1: Right. This is, this is the bread and butter of her kit is this honestly, man, it's, I'm still wrapping my head around it a little bit here. You've used it to great effect against me, but goodness, she's just, she just moves so, so much. And adding this in with all those massive amounts of dice, she's just moving more. She's just throwing more like value town population angela one hundred percent it's just a it's just a whirlwind, which is actually really cool because that's kind of how she's portrayed in comics, you know she's extremely fast, and she keeps going, yeah she just is always attacking yeah and it's it's very cool how amg really just continues to capture the feel of a character and the fantasy of a character with the rule base it's just it blows my mind it's very cool
0: absolutely and this is just one of those things that just shows chris like there's versatility in her kit like you said in the marvel universe in the spawn universe she's taken down higher threat characters and enemies than her and lower threat characters and enemies than her and that's the case with this kit Angelic Assassin, very good at killing lower threat models. Very good. And a very good choice for killing low threat models and then triggering it and then potentially attacking another low threat model. Heaven's Wrath, typically meant for those higher threat models. When you're ready, throw stuff at them, then Heaven's Wrath them, potentially cleave, get them out of there. You know, So I like that she's got versatility with that. But once again, Chris, as you just said, it comes back to her movement every time. She has a place from her strike. She has a short move from her Blades of Vicar, her long range attack, and she has another short move if she dazes someone, and she has two power to spend to do this Angelic Assassin. Now, closing out her card, Chris, she has three innate superpowers, which are very powerful and very important to her kit. The first one yes, you already mentioned up front, as guardian. During the power phase, Angela gains one additional power, so she always has two power on her card no matter what. You start attacking her, you give her more power, problems abound. Very cool. But also, Chris, I, something I mentioned in our last episode with Enchantress, and I'll mention again here, just like Danny Ran, just like Valkyrie, just like these other characters in the game, we cannot understate the power of characters that get two power a turn because you can double yes. interact, you can spin for tactics cards a lot way easier. There's a lot of things that enable plays in this game when you have a character that gains two power every turn, just innately. And then you gain power through other means too, right? Because
1: that's how absolutely works. You know, like six dice builders. (laughs) Six dice
0: builders, yeah. And then if you attack her, okay. But moving on, she has two more innate superpowers, and they're super cool. The first one is living ribbons. Enemy characters cannot place the movement tool overlapping this character's base. Very cool. She can block up areas of the map with her ribbons.
1: That's one of my favorite things about her kit is the living ribbons. It's... It's it's a, such a sneaky, effective way to really zone people out if you can really plan it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's one of those things like we start getting late game and scoring really matters and she can maybe push a model out or two with this where they can't get around her. That's going to help you win the game potentially. But the second clause of this is very interesting, Chris. Enemy characters cannot reroll or change attack dice when targeting this character with attacks. So kind of like Venom we talked about in the past where it's like mm-hmm. things that make you... More defensive innately are just always very good in this game, and you know this shuts down a lot of like leaderships cards as Baron Zemo's of the world.
1: I don't like it very much. (laughs) I wonder why. At all? (laughs) No, it's a really cool power. I, I love everything about it. It's in like the rest of her kit. You know, it's very multi. You know, faceted here with affecting dice or. Keeping dice unaffected, rather, and then gumming up the works. It's just very cool. Absolutely. And I think this is probably the
0: hardest superpower to remember on her because you've got two things that you kind of have to remember to trigger on your turn when your opponent's playing and when your opponent's doing things. So before they reroll dice, you're going to say, no, no, you can't, or when they try to move over your base. So this is one of those higher level things with her. Like even if this was blank, Chris, she'd still be an incredible character. This is like icing on the cake that really takes her up to the next level of. Power, right? And closing out her card, her final innate superpowers flight. I mentioned it at the front, but it's here. She's a medium sized base with a long move with flight. Her and Peter Parker, because he has wall crawler, are the two fastest characters in the game. No one comes close. It's very powerful. And I'm gonna talk about the plays you can do with this right now while we're here. This is something we see people do with Peter Parker, with Angela a lot. On let's say an F map, so spider infected. That center spider-infected that's right in the dead center of the map, you can, with Angela, deploy straight up the map, straight in the middle of your deployment, basically. You can fly forward, long move, get within range one of that spider-infected, pick it up, and then you can long move almost back to your deployment or laterally sideways to a safe-secure. And there's no risk of being attacked that
1: first round, almost. It's absolutely nuts when you can do things like that and completely, you know, like you said, without any risk, just grab those points, and get away safely with them. And you're, you're cutting down the whole, all available points for for the opponent and just really can kind of, once again, gum up the works. She's really good at that. Her kit strikes me, Jesse, as more of a kind of a, maybe not that it has to be this way, but I feel like she is a very good kind of solo flank character
0: she's very good at that yeah I think she's good at a lot of things Chris I mean that is good thinking from your part you're saying that she's gonna go to a solo flank on maybe the enemy side or something by herself
1: exactly you know maybe maybe move up in it she with the way dice cannot be re-rolled or added on her it just defenses of four 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 yeah it's another level of tankiness it you know kind of Stealth tank, but mm-hmm. look, she's not easy to kill and no. she can do a ton of damage. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And her dice could also go, go cold, which has happened to me many times. But like I said, that's okay because you have this durable character that's a long mover with flight on a medium sized base that can really interact with objectives on the map every turn if you're playing her right. And that's the real, I think that's the sneaky. Power for Kit, Chris, is like yeah, she's an incredible beater character. She's she's worth every point on the attrition front as a five threat. But we all know how we actually play MCP, right? It's winning the objectives, and she's an exceptional character at doing that. Like she can interact with a console, for instance, right? Heal herself and then fly over and pick up an extract, pick it up, you know, because she had two power on her turn, and that's just like. Movement, right? And we've talked about on this kit here like she could blades of somebody, get to an objective, interact with it, maybe strike them, then angelic assassin, then you know, move short and attack someone else, and then be in a good position controlling her side of the board, like you said, or just ready to fly across the board to the main fight
1: at any time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's her biggest strength, Chris. I think, the, like you said, at any time, it's to join. The side that needs help at a given moment, you know? Right. It's why lizard's so good, right? Like he he's one of those characters, like he's a medium-sized base with a medium move with wall crawler, and he can pretty much hold a side for a while and then he can start moving to the fight or something, or he can just hang on that side all game. Angel's one of those characters, like there is threat of her getting to your side whatever she wants, and then she can start deleting models. So you can switch the extract, secure Angela to the assassin Angela back and forth. You can switch that switch up and
1: down. And that's what I love about her.
0: She's really good at both.
1: Right. I mean, just with all the offensive capabilities that she has, and like you said, playing an objective-minded strategy with her can just... Can be devastating if the dice are with you. It you know, it might not go over very well if if you're rolling blanks, but you know, sometimes you get to play MCP, sometimes you don't.
0: It's true. As you said, Chris, hopefully you still played a ride on turn zero. Right. And you're putting pressure on your opponent somewhere and you're either matching or underperforming in threat, right? Where it's like, oh, Angela's on a flank, pushed aggressively on the enemy's side. Against two, three threats, and she's holding her own. Okay. Well, I'm winning there. I'm winning because she has a five threat. She's gumming them up, like you said. And yeah, she's for some reason her dice aren't hitting this game. Okay. But at least she's over there, kind of controlling them in a weird way. Even though she doesn't have a lot of control options on her kit, she is a defensive character similar to Hella, like we talked about in the past, who also has the defenses 444, deceptively right. tanky. But Angela has this sort of reposition ability that hella doesn't have and that's really where her biggest strengths come online and i think that's her biggest strength like you look at this kid and you're like oh she can blow stuff up yes but her biggest strength is speed like her ability to reposition at the drop of the hat right that's it that's why looking at her and peter parker side by side is very interesting because they have a lot of similarities when it comes to movement when their attacks, great movement on their innate stats, but then they play differently. And I find it very cool that they're like the super mobile characters in the game that play differently. But at their core, they're the super mobile tanky characters in the game. That's that's
1: neat. It's also a pretty pretty good spot to be in. The sneaky mobile tanky characters. Yeah. One happens to be able to dish out a ton of dice. Look, man, she's good. Yeah. And the other gives out a ton of control, right? So she's good. (laughs) I think you just nailed it
0: there. I mean... Let's also not forget that on her backside, she has seven stamina and I mean, she's going to be around a bit, Chris, and she, she always can throw that size four terrain. Like that's very scary. Like that's honestly her biggest source of damage because it only costs two, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Guaranteed hits on your opponent that they have to yeah, now
1: save. True, not an easy thing to do. No. Not one bit. <laughs> not at all. Where does Angela fit best? Jesse. I mean, clearly it's Asgard, right? Yeah, I think it's Asgard.
0: But let's talk about Asgard. We we talked about last time, Enchantress is a good fit for Asgard because she has a bunch of power to use their leadership to heal. Actually, Angela is a better fit for Asgard because as long as she can keep her health up and keep conditions off of herself, which she can do with the Asgard leadership, she pretty much can do whatever she wants. Because Chris, we haven't talked about it yet, but it should be obvious at this point in the show, Angel doesn't like conditions. At all. And she doesn't like a bunch of damage on her either, because these are things that hinder her goal of being super mobile, controlling an area, killing models. She can't ever be staggered, you know? She just can't. She can't ever really be shocked or incinerated, something we talked about last episode a lot, because this hurts her power building with her dice. It also hurts her defenses, you know? And, you know, sometimes your defenses can definitely go cold in this game. In fact, they're designed to go more cold than your attacks. Right. And I always have to remind myself that every time my defenses yes. go cold like 10 times in a row, but with Asgard, she can just pay that power, take it off, you know? And, and something we talked about in the last episode, Chris, it's on your turns, on your turn, as in on your turn, you could be going with Thor or something, but you could spend a power off Angela to heal a damage off her, right? on Thor's mm-hmm. turn. It doesn't yes. have to be Thor's turn. It's just on your turn as a character. So as long as you go with your characters, you know, you can always kind of do it in the right way. So maybe Angela's, you know, got a condition on her and a damage on her, and but she's got a bunch of power on her. Well, I'm not going to go with her for two turns, right? I'm going to go with Enchantress first, take that uh, condition off Angela. Then my opponent goes, their turn, Then comes back to me. Then I'm going to go with Angela, taking condition off her again, or take a, take a damage off her,
1: then go. Not a not a bad way to keep her moving because, you know, like you said, her not being able to move around is just killers. So That's her death, yeah. One hundred percent. But moreover, I think she adds just so much to Asgard with her mobility, giving them a true a really true tool to play the objective game. Yep. To really focus and win. And the objective, other than you know, just having to beat everybody up till you can catch up and win, exactly in the last couple of rounds, she gives them a true threat to getting a lead, which is kind of a scary thing. You know, an early game lead for Asgard is is different than an early game lead for a lot of other affiliations. When I,
0: of course, I'd be remiss to not mention it here, but if you know, pioneered by Omnis from Omnis Protocol, the Asgard team loves to play that deadly meteor secure. Yes. And Angela is a perfect candidate for that map because it's a C and she can just move across back and forth all game but also she wants. her energy defense is four Chris like they she's going to yep. flip that meteor to the right side so she's very good on the team and I think you covered why she's good because they lack mobility and they lack Objective running now they have it in her and I think she's good on the team what I covered She's the perfect candidate for the leadership the perfect candidate Yes, like she's the one that if you have her and thor's healthy because he's got to stay around That's the most important thing. He's got to live because this is too crucial of a leadership But if she's damaged or has conditions, you're gonna spend it every time to keep her fresh I love the other as guardians, but like she is more valuable than them Of course, there's certain circumstances that trump all sorts of things, but I find it so cool that she's so good in the team. Now, moving on to her other affiliated teams, Chris, she's also affiliated with Guardians and she's affiliated with A-Force. So covering Guardians, this might be one of her best teams as well because she gives them a five threat. They have a lot of cheap models and Star-Lord
1: gives her re-rolls. That's a lot of dice to re-roll.
0: Yeah, it is. And she also gets to use the lovable misfits card, which I love so much, which is like every character that you have on the map as a guardian gets to roll a die and see what free action they get for this round. And it's like, if you have all the guardians and you have Angela, you're just netting more actions with this incredible card, level of misfits that only has one downside essentially, but it's one of those cards that can win games, which is very interesting when you have more guardians and I think you bring it in the games when you do bring Angela and all the guardians, you probably don't bring it in a game where you only have a couple guardians, right? And you have some unaffiliated people with you because it says guardians, of the galaxy characters do this, but she's good with rerolls she, <laughs> defensively and offensively from winging it. So that's an obvious choice. And also I find it very cool that we've got Gamora at four. We've got Angela at five. You kind of flex, yes. right? You're assassin, your long mover assassin character or having both Chris
1: that's what I want to do.
0: <laughs> it's just the guardians. I love that they're like, they're all characters that hit above their weight class. That's the theme of the faction, but some of them are fragile. Some of them are slow. Some of them have glaring weaknesses. They they have no control or no throws. And Angela brings a little bit of that to their team that they lack. And I find that very cool. But closing out her last affiliated team, A-Force, she's very good on this team, Chris, though it gets very pricey because she yokes six, Angela's
1: five, that's a lot of points tied up in two character in two models, but, but it's also a lot, a lot of attack dice. That's scary to see those two across the board from you.
0: Oh, absolutely. And if you see them across the board from you, you 100% know that She-Hulk's playing the card that you play every game, I think. Special delivery. She-Hulk's drop-off. The only drop-off mm-hmm. in the game, because we just talked about how Angel is the most mobile character in the game. If you can drop off She-Hulk with the most mobile character in the game, and then she gets to do a free strike after that, She-Hulk. That's a recipe for success. And that's why I think you take Angela and this team is for that reason. And other reasons too, but I because you know, passing power around is very good with this team. But that special delivery, knowing how to play it, knowing how to do it with Angela, because, you know, that's a lot of movement for She-Hulk, like all the way up the board. I can't I couldn't have said it any
1: better. That's a lot of movement.
0: <laughs> this is a team I know you want to get into the future, Chris. So maybe we'll uh we'll go to camp for this and we'll work on some deployments that could be fun yeah because i know you've been really wanting to dig into a force in the future so i think angela's really good here but we always talk about splash affiliations and we're gonna hit him real quick chris because i genuinely do believe that angela because she's so mobile and so good at the objective game when you know how to play mcp well you could slot her into any team as just a five threat opportunistically you know interesting a couple standouts in my mind Okay, let's go. Cabal and Spider-Foes. So I've played her in Spider-Foes, giving them even more movement, Chris. They already got pretty Mm -hmm. good movement, right? Giving them more movement and giving them a character that hits hard and that you get to decide when to reroll their defense dice, which can be very crucial. Very powerful. But on top of that, you know, Cabal, they want to do the same thing. Just imagine her instead of MODOK and that Red Skull team, right? And it's like, yeah, she's not going to do as much damage as MODOK. It's just not going to happen. But but
1: the movement
0: but the movement and when she chooses targets they will die so Modoc's mm-hmm. more about the area damage the control deleting multiple models with his doomsday chair she's more about disrupting those backlines, like we talked about earlier Chris like getting where she needs to be messing the team up and then deleting models individually so really good in Cabal honestly honestly you can slot her anywhere defenders change your attack types to whatever you want very cool give out Hex Nasty Criminal Syndicate she's counting as two Oh, that could work. Yeah. Then they have to fight her. And then when they fight her, they give her power. She does more things. She deletes them back. Very gross. I have not tried her in convocation yet because I have other five threats in that spot, but you never know, Chris, like a model like this could shore up some of convocation's weaknesses, right? Against physical attacks and things. It's an interesting thought for sure. But I've seen her played all sorts of places like web warriors, Wakanda, just teams that like need something filled that they don't have the case of web warriors, Wakanda, a high damage a high damage model, you know, they can get places with them.
1: That's a pretty nice kill squad though, right? <laughs> Black Panther and Angela kind of Roman. Maybe, maybe Killmonger comes out. That's
0: where it gets scary. Yeah. You bring out Killmonger too. That's a
1: lot of dice, man. That's a, that's a really interesting thought. Just kind of a delete squad.
0: Yeah. And of course, like Shuri and Akoya can support her really well on top of all her things she can do. Right. But I think the last place to talk about where she could potentially go, two teams that want to do similar things, Midnight Suns and X-Force. They're attrition teams, right? Yep. Midnight Suns, it almost seems silly because now she gets to place on top of all this movement and places and moves and things. But I think it's worth exploring. I don't think people have really dug super deep into it because Ghost Rider being an affiliated five threat, people just haven't thought about it as much. But we've seen how powerful it is on Ghost Rider, placing him on top of all the movement he yes. has as well. So very interesting, something I'm gonna look forward to in the future. And she's fulfilling their goal, which is attrition over time. But X-Force, right. Chris- Very similar. And I think she's actually better in X-Force than a lot of these other attrition teams we talked about, because something you've mentioned in recent episodes and something we've talked about in the past, X-Force don't have a ton of mobility. They're more like super high damage on select areas of the map. And she kind of shores that up, that weakness up entirely. While still playing to that strength in a big way. (laughs) Rerolling her dice, Oh, sh- mm. she's feeling a lot better about her Heaven's Wrath and this team. Because, like, say you didn't get that wild. Well, yeah, because Honey Badger's right up on the same target, oh, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. And then he works the dice and get that cleave off. Yeah. I think we need to try her in your list because she is going to come up in those higher threat games. And I think she's just enabled by Cable, too, Chris. The shields and the incinerates, right? Absolutely. He's marking targets with incinerates because he's, he's always incinerating different targets if you're playing Cable right. And then... She's just going through and cutting through them, man. She's just cutting through them and making her way to whatever objective she wants to go to. <laughs> making her way downtown, you know, that's so true. Cue the music. So that's her affiliations, and I, I, I truly do believe, Chris, that if you're you're looking for a durable, super super mobile, strong hitting character in your team, she's the five threat you need to grab. And you know, sometimes I play Scarlet Witch because i play scarlet witch a lot and i'm like man she can do so much damage but like what if she just didn't blow up you know (laughs) like what if she was a little bit more durable and she certainly had more movement because scarlet witch does not have much movement no she's a small base with a medium move just normal movement you know good questions to ask yourself sometimes you've been playing a certain five threat a lot in your team especially if they're a splash maybe angela can fit in that spot
1: everyone play angela as your five threat now (laughs) and then report back to us.
0: Yeah. Do that round one, pick up two hammers. Feels real good. That's the plan. (laughs) But Chris, we've got to close out this strategy section. We've revisited Asgard now over two episodes. We've talked about the leadership over two episodes, how we fully understand it now. And I just kind of gave a really good example of the best way to use it.
1: Right. Every
0: time you have a turn. Priority targets. Use it. Yes. On your priority targets. But we've got to close out our Asgard discussion today with their three tactics cards. We did talk about Odin's Blessing in the past. We're talking about it one more time here because we are revisiting Asgard. And I think this is a prime example of why you play Angela in this team. Odin's Blessing asgard reactive when an allied asgard character would be damaged by an enemy effect they may spend three power to play this card reduce that amount suffered to one chris this is exceptional healing for the asgard team exceptional healing is my favorite card how'd you know i just had a feeling and it's one of my favorite cards too exceptional healing is also keep in mind if you have healing factor characters on your asgard team you can also take exceptional healing on top of odin's blessing You've got your whole team covered now. You're so mean. I just want Logan to work, Chris. And, you know, and he does work. Uh, You you just just have to play him. So, this is a card I think you take every single time you play Asgard because you have multiple affiliated characters because they're an expensive team. And just guaranteeing they get to go, Chris, when they wouldn't get to go is huge. And this this also feeds into their leadership because, like, if you're healing characters over time, now you're asking questions of your opponent, like, do they actually want to attack the character? Oh, then they don't kill him. Oh, then I do kill him. They get to play Odin's Blessing. Like, it's it's a lose-lose for them. So
1: debilitating, yeah.
0: Asgard's this weird team where it's like you first read it and you're like, oh, they've got, like, some healing and, and some, like, condition removing. But, like, it's so weird that, like, the correct way to play Asgard is... They're almost like hard control, Chris. And in the case of if you're using leadership every turn, you're keeping your characters alive and you're always throwing with the Asgardians, which you should
1: be. Absolutely.
0: It's hard control with a spattering of attrition. And they're also tanky characters. So it's like you've got these tanky characters that are controlling you with their leadership and their abilities. When they're ready to kill you, they'll kill you. And cards like this make them so much better.
1: Oh, that's the biggest vulnerability to a character like Angela, right? Is right. a big spike. And forcing them to have to spike twice Whew. the first one to get this card out of your hand and then the second one to actually try to flip the flip the character see if they even do it the one. from yeah. the board yeah. exactly if they can if they can manage a second one it's just it can really swing the momentum of a round. it can really you know kind of there's there's genuine morale you know loss <laughs> When you yes. kind of forgot about that card over there Ooh. and you're, oh my gosh, I just I just took Angela out. No, you didn't. It's very powerful. It's a bummer. And then she heals that one damage. Mm. It's, it's a bummer, man.
0: Yeah. And you, Chris, and the whole listeners know very well, one of my favorite characters to play in this game since it's come out is Loki. And- Loki's so much better with this card existing in the world. He's so much better because he is fragile. He's not like his brother and his sister we've just talked about. He can be blown up. And this card being in your hand makes Loki so much more powerful because he will live and get to do what he needs to do. Very strong. Moving on. They have two more affiliated cards. The first one is called Rainbow Bridge. It's Asgard active. Any number of allied Asgard characters that are not holding objective tokens may spend three power to play this card. Characters that spend power this way are placed within range three of their current location. Now, you can't hold any hammers or characters or anything like that when you do this. Exactly. But still, Chris, this card is incredible. Another card you almost take every game with Asgard, especially on a a map with a lot of objectives. Right. Gives Angela more
1: mobility. (laughs) I just, does she need it? I mean, are you just flexing at this point, you know? Right. You know, just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. So something
0: I've learned a lot being so many games into convocation now. So convocation has a convocation version of this card. You know, Chris, I've learned that just like you and I've talked about being a better player in this game and being less precious with cards. I've been doing that more and more. I've nearly never been that precious with oh, cards, but I'm you. getting even better at it. And one of the cases I've done that is some of my games, only Doctor Strange round one, because he's the only character with three power, up to the middle of the map, and I'm ready to do something with him, right? I love it. Because a lot of people read this, and they're like, I want to value. Okay, I want I want Loki to have three power. I want Thor to have three power. And I want Angela to yeah, have three everybody's power. everybody's
1: got to move, right? Now, it's going to be game-changing, or world-shattering, you know, sometimes the universe will, will pause to watch you make this amazing move. Man, sometimes just play the card.
0: Yeah. Sometimes this could literally be life or death for your game. Just closing game out earlier, Chris, this could just be Angela moving to a back objective, deleting a model that was on that, that was going to score that your opponent turns. And then- spinning three to rainbow bridge to a side objective and score it and win or something. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that simple. It's, you don't have to look at it in this case of how good is this going to be for me? Sometimes that will happen. Sometimes you'll move Thor, Angela and Valkyrie all up and it'll be wonderful. You know, they all charge into battle, but other times just think of this as a super powerful climbing gear. Yeah. And that's that's why you take it, honestly. Now, moving on, they have one more card left, Chris, and I am so excited to talk about this on the show because changes have happened since everything started on this podcast for us and since we did Asgard. Banned and restricted lists, a lot of things have happened. Doomed Prophecy was put on the ban list, then restricted, and then there's back and forth, back and forth. Okay, so now Doom Prophecy is Asgard-only reactive. I love this so much, and it's not restricted either. Good fix on this one, right? <sighs>
1: so good. Very, very elegant, I think.
0: I couldn't agree more, Chris. I mean, flavorful too, right? Right. And this is one of my favorite cards in the game, and I'm happy it's on a team. So the way this reads is at the start of the activation phase, so you, you do have to have foresight to play this at the top of a round. For anyone has gone, an allied Asgard character may spend three power to play this card. This character could not roll defense against physical attacks for the rest of the game. Additionally, this character adds dice to its physical attacks equal to its physical defense until the next cleanup phase. So this gives you one giant swing turn, Chris. You know, this, this card on Angela is insane. Her Xiphos strike, it goes from six to ten. That's her builder. That's her builder. Then she can't roll physical defense for the rest of the game, but then you still have Odin's blessing. There's a lot of cool things here. This is a high risk, high reward card, and I'm happy it's back in the game. It's always been good on characters like Thor valkyrie you know it's it's a closer right so i think it's worth taking i don't know if you take it every time in your five like i mentioned like you do with odin's blessing and probably you do with the rainbow bridge but i think when you see those matchups where you're like oh man there's a team not a ton of physical attacks but also like a team that i, I can just delete them early it'll just be over you bring that Doom Prophecy, you put it on Angela or Thor, let them do that giant turn where they, double, they have to double tap on that turn, in my opinion, because.
1: Oh, 100 Why wouldn't
0: you? I mean, it's. And it, keep in mind, too, Chris, like the Blades of Vicar, it goes up to nine, right? Like, even though it's an energy attack, you're still adding your physical defense onto whatever attack you're doing. Same with Thor and his lightning and stuff. So I think it's super cool that Asgard got this. I, that we get to talk about this now. And you know, I'm happy someone has it because it was a huge loss for Carnage because it did make him more fun. It wasn't even like a, a hard win thing with Carnage. It was honestly with him as a huge risk because he has, as we talked about in our episode, he yeah. has no defenses but his physical defense at all. Right. And when you take that away, he's just he's just blank. But hopefully yeah. that turn he's eating the whole world. I think it's pretty obvious with Angela, This she's the best target for this because you can more easily trigger Angelic Assassin, get that free short movement attack off, right? So then you're getting three attacks that turn, right? With the Doom Prophecy. What a turn. You know, and you could just whiff too, but you know, this card makes oh, it fun. Oh, absolutely. This card makes it fun. Very unlikely you're going to whiff a 10 dice though. Just It's just not going to happen. I mean, it does though. I played Danny Rand a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, you you say that, statistically it won't happen that much but yeah you're right chris it, it'll it happen <laughs> i'm sorry in advance <laughs>
1: <laughs> fury's finest is supported by our wonderful patrons you can become a fury's finest patron by going to patreon.com slash fury's finest find us on social media follow the
0: show on twitter at fury's finest cast and find us on facebook instagram and twitch at fury's finest Email us at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or questions, and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify being the most important because those are the aggregate ones. But I find it super cool, Chris. Like we talked about the last several episodes, you guys have now been leaving us reviews on Spotify. Really helps us out. We really appreciate
1: it. Yes, we do very much appreciate it. And we want to keep that energy going. Keep leaving those reviews. Grab your kids' phones use them to leave reviews. Mother-in-law's phone, grab it. No, but for real, it is it is awesome of you guys. And we really, really, truly appreciate it. And we also want to thank Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. You can find Chris
0: and I on social media. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N.
1: Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T where I tweet occasionally.
0: Very good. Well, Chris, that's our Asgard miniseries. We're, we're fully caught up on Asgard for now. That was fun. Was very fun. It was fun to just visit these two characters we love so much. If these characters interest you, you, definitely pick up this box. We think it's a very valuable box to add in your collection to have these two ladies on your teams, but also just like, if you want to play Asgard, you kind of need Angela and Enchantress. You just do. At this point, yeah. <laughs> you just do. There's not enough Asgardians in the game, period. So you just, you just need them. Eventually, we'll get Volstagg. One can hope. But Chris, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned over the next month or so. And we won't spoil yeah. it here. We already mentioned Moon Knight coming very soon. But we have other characters and other series coming up. We hope you guys are going to jump on the journey with us. Some of them will be really fun. We're going to try to keep it as thematic and focused as we can, like keep characters together, which I think is really fun. Chris, like of similar teams and themes. So, and it's all going to lead up to mini Stravaganza three later this summer. So it's a very good time to be an MCP and Marvel fan. We say it every week, but it's so
1: true. When are we going to start getting the money lines on these betting odds for what <laughs> the big announcement will be? I'm
0: going to let you start some of that on your Twitter and yeah, we'll get it. And then we'll what? get, we'll get it going
1: on the, as you said, on the furious finest Twitter as well. And yeah, fantastic four at uh minus 2.5, four to one.
0: Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun to visit Asgard again with you. We hope you guys will join us in the coming weeks when we have a lot of fun content coming. But until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior.
1: The world has gotten even
0: stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. 10 bucks says you're wrong.